right. All right. So we're working on the practical implementation of the human vocation. So we've been talking about a good transition, right? So uh, we've been talking about uh, the human vocation. What is it that what is it that the cross has enabled? Like Jesus didn't just die for our sins so that we could be forgiven and go to heaven someday, that there's something that we're participating in uh, right now. And we've been verbalizing that as a human vocation. Vocation's like a job, so it's what we were created to do. And the scripture speaks of that as what? Do you remember? It's the blank priesthood. You remember? Yeah, it's the royal priesthood. And we talked about how the priesthood was the administration of worship. It's our reflection of the worship of creation back to God. And the royal part of it was our, uh, our reflection of God's wisdom and character into the earth. And, it's, and it's that, that's where we stand, as we kind of stand in that gap, reflecting God's wisdom and character onto the earth and reflecting worship back to him. We're people of worship. That's the human vocation, right? That's what we were designed to do. And that's what Jesus' death on the cross, that's what our belief in him has allowed us to step back into. Y'all tracking? So that's like what we spent eight weeks covering, okay? Now what we're trying to say is, okay, now what does that look like practically? And last week, what I told you was that it, it, the best I can kind of practically explain it is it's a combination of two things. For us to begin to go, okay, that's me, I'm saved I'm, I'm purchased by the blood of the lamb. What does it look like for me to step into that human vocation to, to partake in this royal priesthood? It's a combination of two things. The first is your identity, who you are in Christ. That's the first element. And it's the second element is, and how God is using you and your identity in the work that he is doing on the earth. If either of those things misfire, we're not really stepping into the fullness of who God has intended for us to be. Last week, we talked about the identity portion. So just quick review. There's two ways of understanding identity. The first is general identity. It's the things that are true about me because I'm a Christian. Things like I'm forgiven. Is that true about me? If I'm a believer in Christ Jesus, am I forgiven? Yes, but guess what? So are you, okay? That's true about me, that's true about you. We talk, what, what about um, that I'm an, a co-heir with Christ? Is that true about me? Y'all better believe it. That's why I'm happy, okay, right? That's why you should be happy, because it's also true about you, right? This is general identity. This is so, 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 so important, but it's mostly all we talk about. We typically only talk about things that are true. When we talk about identity, we talk about those things that are more general identity. What's also true is that God has made you uniquely and specifically for this day and time. How many of you know, we talked about last week, how many of you know that the stars, the scripture says that the stars are placed exactly where they're supposed to be and God knows them each by name, right? How could we not believe that us, human beings, were not created with unique specificity by the God that threw the stars into heaven and nothing was random, right? God has created us uniquely to step into this human vocation, right? So it matters how you've been uniquely created. It, that unique creation involves a lot of different things. It involves uh, your personality. It involves the spiritual gifts that God has given you. It, it, it involves kind of the whole of who you are. And the best way to understand it is for me just maybe to quit, tell you a, a quick story, okay? There's this guy uh, that I know that uh, he's, he's a, um, well, I'm trying not to be too specific. Um, there's this guy that I know, right? There's specific. Uh, there's this guy that I know. I've never seen anybody on the planet that is better at meeting people, and immediately the people that he meets, their guard goes totally down, right? It, 
that's not true with me. People keep their guard up a long time with me. I'm kind of weird, right? It's kind of like, I, it takes me a little while, and I'm bad at small talk, so that doesn't help. I get awkward really quick, so that's not helping my cause. But, right, this guy t- can just totally diffuse uh, anybody's reservations or anxiousness in relationships, right? And people are just just ridiculously honest with this guy faster than they should be in a normal relationship. Well, he and I have been working through what does it look like to be created uniquely, and I've been talking to him about how that, that's not an accident. God made you that way. God made you that way where people come into your presence, and what are they sensing? They're not, they're not sensing the ability to be safe around you. They're sensing the safety of God. Because God has created that in you, right? Because that's exactly who God is. God is totally safe to be around, isn't he? We can let our guard down before the Lord. We can be honest before him, right? So it's what God, it's what God has put in this guy that, that people are interacting with. That's who God has created him to be uniquely. Now, that's not me, but I got other things, right? And that's not you, but you got other things. That's that unique identity. And most of us never go on that journey to ask God, who have you made me to be? How have you created me? How do I function uh, as your unique uh, creation? And, then, and some people get really uncomfortable when we talk about uniqueness. And they're like, no, 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 uniqueness. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Here's the deal. Jesus made you unique, okay? So if you re- reject your uniqueness, you're rejecting a gift that he has given you not to glorify you because that makes people uncomfortable in the church. It's like, oh, unique, because what does unique mean in our culture? Look at me, right? I'm unique, and unique is a differentiation from other people, right? Y'all with me? That's what our culture wants to do is say you're unique, and it's for the purpose of self-glorification. It doesn't work that way in the kingdom. And then what's dangerous is we see what the world's doing with uniqueness and then we throw uniqueness out, never embrace the uniqueness that God has given us. But in the kingdom, uniqueness is not for self-glorification. It's for unity and the glorification of the head who is Christ Jesus. And Ephesians 4 says that if we'll operate uniquely together, we'll build each other up in love and Christ will be glorified. You see it? So I need you to know who you are. It's good for me that you know who you are in him. It's good for us that we collectively press past the generalities and understand the specificity of who God has made us to be because in that we build each other up in love and Christ is glorified. Everybody take a deep breath. That's the review. Y'all got it? Okay. John sang a long time. I got to hurry. Just kidding. Y'all laugh. That's just a church joke. Okay. Some of y'all are like, that was worship. I was kidding. Okay. So today, what we got to answer is what is God's work in the world? Because it's a collision of these two things. If you, if you totally check into this unique identity thing and then you go about doing your own thing, you're not going to find that you're stepping into the fullness of who God has created you to be. Because what God has created you to be has to match what God has created you to do. This worship component, what God is doing in the world, is what you've been created uniquely for, right? Your unique makeup is for participation in this thing that God is doing. And let me just tell you, it's called, we, we, we hear it referred to as God's will. How many times in the context of the church have you asked this question or heard this question asked? I just want to know what God's will is, right? We beg for that. It's all in here. <laughs> this is not a hard one. We're going to answer that question today, right? So we can... We can Quit with being paranoid about what God's will is. We're going to answer that question. All right, Matthew 6. Matthew 6. Come on. Get excited. Everybody smile. 
Matthew 6. All right, so we're going we're gonna to figure out what it is that God is doing in the world. And God makes it super obvious, okay, which is way cool. Uh, this is not going to be hard. So it's, it's super obvious. This is fun, all right? So uh, we're going to put together several passages that I think will give us a huge big picture of this. We're going to use some different language. These passages use different language, but it's all going to go together. And so I hope that by the end of this, you kind of see the big picture of what God is doing in the earth. Now, and remember, does anybody remember what we are called in 2 Corinthians chapter 5? Ministers of reconciliation. Okay, hold that in your, if you're left-handed, you can hold it in your left hand. If you're right-handed, you can hold it in your right hand, Okay. Right? Or, or opposite, which depending on what you want to write with. Okay? So, Lens, they're not going for my jokes this morning. Hey, our, our littlest one, no, no, we got a lot of them. Uh, not our littlest one. Our former, like two people ago, littlest one, uh, turned five today. Y'all, if you see Abby Kate say, Five years old, she'll just give you this. She's really not super social, so she might just look away, but she's five, right? So she's five. So tell her what's up. She is five years old. All right, Matthew 6. Here we go. So Jesus is praying. How, listen, if Jesus is praying, listen. <laughs> Jesus always prays according to the will of God. So God's will is all in what Jesus is praying, okay? So here's what he says. Uh, verse, we'll start in verse 9. Pray like this. You guys heard this before? Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Listen to this. Here's purpose. There's acknowledgement of the holiness of God. Here's purpose. Verse 10. Your kingdom come. Your, what is it? There it is. Your will be done where? Yeah. Okay, so Jesus is praying for something specific. He acknowledges the holiness of God, and then he says, your kingdom come, Right? This shouldn't be strange language. This is what John the Baptist said. This is what Jesus said. That the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's in your midst. John the Baptist would say, prepare the way because the kingdom of heaven is here like at your doorstep. The kingdom is coming. And Jesus prays and announces this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. What is your will? The kingdom to come. Where does he pray for it? On earth. How? As it is in heaven. You see? Now, where might we stand is, is this, these people that stand right in the middle of heaven and earth. Right? We're bringing the justice and the will of God, right, onto the earth and reflecting worship back to him. You think we might have something to do with Jesus' prayer for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? Yeah, okay, so that's one piece, okay? So put that in whatever hand you were holding, Second Corinthians 5, okay? Hold on to it tight. Your kingdom come, your will be done where? On earth as it is in heaven. Go to Colossians chapter 1. So that's where Jesus prays that God's will is to be done. Now, Colossians 1. So what is the action of the kingdom? So what is he wanting to happen? The kingdom to come on the earth. So what is the action of the kingdom? we got to know what the kingdom is doing as the kingdom is coming on the earth as it is in heaven. What is happening? Now, listen to this. This is, I think, one of the coolest ways of understanding of our, uh, our salvation. Uh, you're in Colossians chapter 1. What do I have on the street? Do I have just 13? Okay, just 13. It's speaking of Jesus, and it says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, 
the forgiveness of sins. So what is the action of the kingdom of God? Let's look at this. What is the action of the kingdom of God? Well, the, the action has an initiator. Who is that initiator? Jesus. Jesus is this catalyst for the kingdom of heaven coming on the earth. And what is that action? What is the action of the kingdom of heaven? It is delivering in Jesus, delivering us from the domain of darkness and transferring us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So the kingdom is taking territory through deliverance from darkness, right? And it's being, it's being manifested in this fact that we've been forgiven of our sins, but in the forgiveness of sins, you're being transferred. Lock into this for a second. You existed, I existed. Remember we talked about how sin was this slave master? How it was, it was this evil power? You remember that? And what Jesus has done, the action on the cross, is he has destroyed that evil power of sin that has deceived us and gotten us to believe that we can be God apart from him. Y'all tracking? So if he conquered that, here's what he's done. It says that he's taken us from that domain of darkness where we were slaved to ourselves, and he's moved us. This is a location change. Y'all with me? In the domain of darkness, you were a slave to yourself and your passions and your desires. And what Christ has done is that he has crushed the power that is over you and transferred you from that domain of darkness to a new location. And that location is the kingdom of his beloved son where there's redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And as the kingdom of heaven moves forward on the earth, that's what men and women are experiencing. Are you with me? Y'all. This is unbelievably exciting news. There's new rules, man. In the domain of darkness, I was a slave to myself. I did only what I could think and feel was best for me. But in the kingdom of the beloved son, guess what? I'm free. I'm free to be me in the fullest extent of who I am because I was created by him to glorify him. I'm totally and completely free. I am a slave no longer. The kingdom of heaven is expanding and it's taken territory from the domain of darkness because the, the domain of darkness is led by this power of sin and this power of sin has been crushed. And so everywhere that the kingdom goes, it says, thanks, that's mine. Thanks, that's mine. Thanks, that's mine. It's called redemption. It's also called what Paul would say, the ministry of what? You see it? Reconciliation reconciling things back to their rightful owner. Because what God is doing as the kingdom of heaven advances on the earth is he's, he's saying, no, actually, uh, gr grace is not yours, grace is mine. <laughs> Transfer to the kingdom of beloved son. Right? The, king, the advancing work of the kingdom of heaven is what's described here in Colossians chapter 1, that the domain of darkness's territory is being torn down because Christ has been victorious over sin and the kingdom of heaven is advancing in the redemption of men and women and the transfer of them from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of beloved son. Smile. Right? This is the action of the kingdom of heaven. So go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's look at this. So what does Jesus want? Now, don't, don't just get lost in several passages. What is Jesus asking for? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is the will of heaven? We're seeing it, right? That men and women, all of creation would be what? Redeemed. 
What does this redemption look like? This transfer from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of the beloved son. And so this is what Jesus is asking for, that that will of God be perpetuated on the earth. And what is the action of the kingdom? It's that deliverance from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son, where there's redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Y'all are already there. I always do that. I tell you to go somewhere, and then I get excited and stay where I was. I'm late. Okay, here we go. Verse 17. I know we've read this a bunch, but listen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. See that within the context of delivery from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of the beloved son. That's part of what happens there. If that transfer is to occur, the old has to go away. The old that was what? Dominated by sin. The old is gone and the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him. Sound familiar? In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You see it? And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are, what's that word? Ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. Okay. Try and, try and grab all of this, okay? I know I'm moving super fast and I've got to. What God has done, Jesus prayed it, Okay. Jesus is standing on the earth, knowing what he's coming to, knowing what he's about to initiate, and he prays into God's will and asks for God's will to be done uh, on earth as it is in heaven. Goes to the cross, dies, is resurrected, and crushes the power of sin, invites us into that life. I have come that you would have life and have it abundantly. And in establishing that life, he, he, the old goes, the new comes, we're forgiven of sin, and we're, and we're filled with the Holy Spirit and established, poised, and ready to participate in God's work on the earth. What is that work on the earth? It's you experiencing what you experienced in salvation and then becoming an ambassador of that very message. It's you taking this reconciliation that has occurred in your life and spreading it all over the earth. That's the ministry of reconciliation. You're becoming an active voice, an active agent in the kingdom of heaven advancing all over the earth. What does that mean about you? That means that you will be positioned in places where the domain of darkness has rule. Because God has placed you there so that in and through you, because he's made you uniquely and called you into his work, in and through you, the kingdom of heaven will be established in that place. Smile. Because some of you are upset that you're in places where the domain of darkness is obvious. It's on purpose, friend. Because in you, in him, is the authority for the kingdom of heaven to be established wherever you are. And what's that going to look like? It's going to look like God using you in this reconciliatory work to bring people out of the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of the beloved son as they experience the forgiveness of sin. You see it? Come on. Okay. You know what reconciliation means. Let's talk about this word ambassador. So in this context, in this, in this context in which it was used here, 
it was a it was a term. Do we use that very often? Do you ever use ambassador? Nope. Good. Okay. Didn't think so. So it's a term of rank or office. Like an ambassador, we, we would talk about um, like a foreign ambassador. If they were to come to the United States, what would they be doing? They'd be officially on duty from wherever they came, right? Right? It's an official political power capacity. And what are they trying to do? Yeah, they're, they're trying to speak on behalf of where they came from. You tracking? Okay, so he uses this word ambassador. It's a term of rank or office, and it was referred to someone who managed public affairs and administered justice wherever they were on behalf of where they came from. <laughs> That's the word he uses in the context of the ministry of reconciliation. You see it? So he says, you are an ambassador. Well, what does that mean? You're not, you're not trying to come up with your own message. We're not to get creative and come up with this new message. We're just carrying the same one that redeemed us. But, but listen to the way that, that these words come out, okay? In Colossians 1, it says, you've been delivered from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son. Now you're an ambassador of what kingdom? Y'all track it? Look, what kingdom? The kingdom of heaven. And what does it say an ambassador does? An ambassador manages public affairs. So, right, there's authority in that spot and administers justice. What kind of justice? Justice from the kingdom. What kingdom? The kingdom of heaven. So to be a minister of reconciliation, to be this ambassador, God making his appeal through you, what he's done is he's put you in different areas all over the earth where the domain of darkness might be obvious and apparent to tear those rulers and authorities down and to establish the kingdom of heaven and God's justice in that place. Right? That's the work that God is doing. And the result of that happening, of God's rule and his justice being established, his kingdom advances. People come to know the Lord, experience the same freedom that you do. They're delivered. They're transferred from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of the beloved son. And then guess what? They go, okay, I'm tag, I'm in with you. And they start to participate in that very work of the ministry of reconciliation. And that's how the kingdom of heaven works and moves. You see it? Even if y'all aren't tracking, will you just give me some of this? All right. Okay. So here's the deal. Here's the point I need to make before we finish. That I think we miss, and man, I'm telling you, look, look at me. This is not your fault completely. Okay? You have got to stop buying into the lie that the kingdom of heaven is like the American dream. Because it's not. Look, I, I love the American dream. I love our nation. I, look, I, I, so this is not like knocking the USA, okay? The problem, though, is that we have begun to think like the values of our nation. And don't come back at me with like, well, our nation was founded on God. Okay, okay, that's not the point I'm making here, right? Here's what I'm saying. What does the American dream say? That tomorrow is the most important day because the work that you do today will get you to a better tomorrow, right? Look at me. That's, there's nothing economically and like that, there's nothing wrong with that. That's brilliant. That's beautiful that people can come to our nation and in freedom establish themselves and grow and flourish. Like, look, I'm not knocking that. Here's the deal. But, 
But what the problem is, is that seeps into our psyche as people that are participating in the advance of the kingdom of heaven. And we start to say tomorrow is the most important day. What do we start to forget about? We start to forget about what's happening right now. We start to devalue where we're at right now. We start to look at tomorrow as not the thing I'm going to, but the better thing. And if I just get there, then I make it. And it won't take you long to get there and have not made it and not have that feeling of satisfaction to know that that's a total lie. (laughs) Right? Here's what I'm saying. You're going, why is he railing on the American dream? I'm not. (laughs) What I'm saying is that you've got to today acknowledge that if you are purchased by the blood of the lamb, if you have put your faith in him, then you are, look at me, today, a minister of reconciliation. And the space that you're occupying right now in culture, wherever that is, look at me, wherever that is, is important. And that you exist there for the establishing of the kingdom of heaven wherever you are. And if you've kind of stepped away from that space because it's hard or because darkness exists there or because you've become apathetic about it because, well, I'm going to get my degree and then I'm going to make it. You're missing what God wants to powerfully do in and through you today. In the kingdom of heaven, space is not valuable in and of itself. (laughs) Like getting your degree in the kingdom of heaven, there's no like bonus points for that, right? And parents that are listening to this podcast just went, did he just say don't get your degree? I didn't say that. (laughs) Get your degree, right? I didn't say it. But there's no like bonus points for that. If If you like have a sweet, legit 401k, there's no bonus points for that. Heaven doesn't look at that and go, ah, now you've made it. Right? Right? It doesn't work that way. I'm not saying those are bad things to do. I'm not, I'm not knocking those things at all. But, here, but here's the deal. What those things begin to do is they distract us from what's present. And what's present is what God is doing today. You know what? God's already in tomorrow. The scripture tells us not even to, not, don't even go there. That today has enough. We don't even have to go into tomorrow. Do you know that God wants to establish the kingdom of heaven in your dorm room. Not like the whole dorm. Like you don't have to take the whole campus. Like I'm not telling you to come, go walk out of here and go, this whole science building is mine. I'm not saying that. What if the person's sitting next to you? What about the person sitting next to you? What if they exist in the domain of darkness? And what if God has put you smack down in their lives for the delivery of this message? for the execution of God's justice in their lives. Do you know that they probably have been told who they are based on what they've done, based on their successes or their failures? Do you know that that's probably the world that they live in? Do you know that they probably believe that? Why do I know that? I did, you did. We all used to live there, right? Do you know that's probably true in their life? What would it look like for you to administer God's justice in their lives? Well, it would be for you to treat them like God would have you treat them because of who God has created them to be and not at all like what their circumstances have said you should treat them like. That's the administering of God's justice in their lives. It says, I'm not gonna see you as a product of your past. I'm gonna see you as God sees you. 
That is that moment right there. Your decision to view people around you in that way is the beginning of a shift in you that will, that will advance the kingdom of heaven in the areas that you're in. We hear these kind of things a lot of times and we think, oh my gosh, now I gotta go start a Bible study. Now I gotta go you know, put on this program or do this, this and that. It's not true. Look at the person next to you and see them the way that God sees them. I promise you, your actions will change. You know that the book of Proverbs says that life and death are in the power of the what? Tongue. Life and death. Jesus said, I've come that you would have life. We're ministers of reconciliation. What ought we be bringing? Life. Change how you talk to the person next to you. You see, it's, look how easy, right? Sheila Cooey is one of my favorite people in the world. She's in my top 10 list. There's so many more than top 10, or there's more than 10 people in my top 10 list. And she lives in there. And if, if I look at Sheila and I determine who I believe that she's to be based on the story that I've heard about her life or based on her present actions, I'm going to relate to her based on stuff she already knows, right? How would it change, though, if I went, okay, God has given me the gift of knowing Sheila Cooey. I'm gonna just search the Lord. I'm gonna intercede. I wanna know, God, who have you created her to be? Who have you called her to be? What happens if I begin to get my information from God? How am I gonna treat her? Based on what God says she is. Now, I may treat her that way, and she may look at me like, "Mm, why are you doing that? (laughs) That's not who I am. That's not who I am. But over a period of time, as I intersect her life, What I'm doing is I'm speaking to something deeper in her. I'm calling something out in her that is true and right and real, regardless of whether or not she acknowledges it or not. See, because if she's in the domain of darkness, she's not going to acknowledge the truth, right? And what does the voice of somebody who's a minister of reconciliation begin to do? It begins to bring out the truth of who she is. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confront her, not by saying, stop behaving so badly. I'm going to confront her by saying, this is the beautiful truth about who you are in Christ Jesus. I may not say it that way, but I may, I, it may be totally covered up and more secret than that. But what's going to happen over and over and over again, embedded in her, is going to be this reality that Kendall must see something different in me than what I believe about myself. And you know what that is? That's the advance of the kingdom of heaven in her. She begins to start to question. Maybe he's right. Maybe there's something else. The kingdom of heaven begins to advance. The kingdom of heaven begins to advance. Think about if that would happen in the relationships that you were in simply because you were administering God's justice in people's lives. Not treating them the way they were supposed to be treated, but treating them according to who God created them to be. There would be, look at me, revival. Not because you set up in tent and called it revival. There would be revival because people would encounter the grace and the love of God as you spoke to them about who they were and they would come alive because it would be as if God himself was speaking to them. I love you. There's something deeper in you. That's what it is to be a minister of reconciliation, but you've got to own the space that you're in. You're gonna miss that opportunity if you begin looking for a new space. Let me just, a little trivia question. The Bible tells us to work hard. The Bible speaks about integrity. The Bible speaks about honoring those above us. Let me just ask you, do you think in the matter of like six years, so I'm, giving, I'm being generous, 
in a matter of six years, do you think if you worked hard, honored your teachers, professors, whatever they're called, um, do, do you think if you did those things, you lived with integrity, do you think by accident you might graduate? Look at me. I'm being for real. If you worked hard, if you honored the people around you, if you had integrity, do you think in a matter of six years you might accidentally graduate? Yes! <laughs> it would be a miracle, but you would make it. And some of you, that path might look a little bit different than others, but look, if you commit yourselves to the principles of God that say to work hard, honor those people around you, live your life with integrity, you're going to get to where you're going. That stuff is going to handle itself. Do you think if, if, if I work hard and, and, and honor the Lord and pastor well, do you, think, do you think other things will take care of themselves? Do you think I'll have to worry about what church am I going to serve at next? What position am I going to have next? What am I going to do next? Do you think I'll have to worry about that stuff? Right? No, because in the appropriate time, those things will come up, and I'll know what I'm supposed to do because of the process that I've been in with God. I'm not going to have to, if I sit here today and worry about all that, you know what it won't add? It won't add any credibility to the ministry I'm doing right now. Right? Look at me. I'm not saying that those things aren't important. Get your degree. But it's not as hard as you think. Some of you are like, you should see this test I had. <laughs> right? There will be bumps in the road. There will be issues. There will be moments where you look back and go, whoa, that was tougher than I thought. You will make it if you commit yourselves to the things of God. What I'm asking you to do is not, though, lock in and worry about that process. What I'm asking you to do is go, okay, I'm going to commit myself to those things. Be a person of integrity. Be a person that works hard. But I'm going to lock into this space that God has put me in. Because right now, today, I'm a student at SFA. I won't be maybe in four to six to ten years. Okay? I won't be. But today that I am. And it means, if I know Jesus, it means that I'm a minister of reconciliation in this place. So I'm going to bust my butt. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to get good grades. I'm going to do what is required. And if this isn't like the right deal for me, I'm going to know and I'm going to take a different path. And that's okay. But I'm not going to get consumed with that. That will take care of itself as I commit myself to the right principles and integrity today. What I'm going to get consumed with is this space that God has put me in today. And if God chooses to move me tomorrow, I get handed that degree and I move into a new space, I'm going to get consumed with what the kingdom of heaven is doing in that space. You with me? Lindsay used to teach uh, at uh, Texas Tech. She taught uh, international students English. She was consumed with the kingdom of heaven being advanced in that space by loving on those, those folks. And then one day... The Lord said, surprise, family time. <laughs> and we had to, like, make some tough decisions. And in some of those decisions, we kind of went, okay, we're going to be committed in the home. This is what it's going to look like. That change happened. You, wanted, you know how it happened? It happened naturally. It happened naturally, meaning that as that came up in life, we sought the Lord and felt like we're, we're going to step into whatever God is calling us to next. But now, guess what? She's consumed with the kingdom of heaven coming in our home in the lives of our children. It looks different, but it's the same job. The kingdom of heaven coming in the space that I'm occupying. Y'all with me? Okay, I've talked too long. It is 1039, which means you need to stand up and move quickly to the next hour. I love you. I'll see you in a few weeks. Happy Turkey Day. Bye.